Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. It's easy to forget sometimes that this guy... My stomach feels strange. Did you forget to eat again? No. ...is the same guy as this guy. Be warned, mortal. You never know what your curiosity might unleash. It's a little bit of an understatement to say that Tyrael has... Well, he's been through some stuff in his time as the Archangel of Justice and later the Aspect of Wisdom. Through his latest stint of being mortal and living among the Nephilim in Sanctuary. It's easy to go down a rabbit hole of history and lore regarding his origins. It's kind of unending and huge, um, especially his epic moments throughout the various Diablo games. But today, I want to dig deeper into where he is now and what role he might play in Diablo 4 this summer. We may as well start with his greatest admirer, Deckard Cain, who once said this of Tyrael, his friend, quote, he has intervened for the sake of humankind time and time again, for he sees the potential of heroism and selflessness in each of us. He has even acted against the mandates of his fellow council members to fight on our behalf. For that alone, I will always have and always will believe in him. Deckard Cain. So as much as you might think that he and Imperius were often at odds with each other, the opposite is actually true for most of their time engaged in the eternal conflict. Imperius once said they saved each other's lives countless times during the conflict. When not engaged in the constant battle that was with the powers of hell, Tyrael ran the courts of justice. And this was a place where angels would congregate, airing their grievances, striving to reclaim what they called, quote, lost harmony or equilibrium. And uh, it was an amazing place. Two huge male and female statues loomed over the proceedings of this place, and each of these giant statues pointed directly down where the accused would often sit or stand. And it wasn't always demons that stood trial there. Plenty of angels were judged there as well, and Teriel was central to the dispensing of justice to those found guilty, be they demon or angel. It is said that guilty verdicts were followed by the hauling off of these accused and convicted souls down below the courts where these big prisons were located. One really cool thing about this place, uh, there was a wall, and we're talking a, a cathedral-like space. This wall was known as the Wall of Edicts, and it had words inscribed from floor to ceiling. Huge with the laws of heaven itself, much of which Tyrael had a direct hand in creating. 
if we jump back to some of what we've talked about in previous weeks, let's talk about Tyriel's reaction. When he heard that Lilith and Anarius had done what they had done, the creating of Sanctuary and the creating of the Nephilim, he thought this was a terrible idea. He was pretty opposed to it at the time. He would have a change of heart, though, a big one, and was quoted as saying, quote, I did call them abominations, and I was wrong. My vote is for them, for I would see what they might become and marvel in it. So he had our backs then, and he, ha- and he has them now. Side note, when was the first time you heard what Tyriel sounded like in Diablo 2? It's been a while for me, but this is what he sounded like. It is good to see you again, hero. Mephisto's defeat is a great victory for the light. I knew that you would eventually find your way here. The Pandemonium Fortress is the last bastion of heaven's power before the gates of the burning hells. If you were looking for the moment where his alliance with Imperius truly hit the skids, it was probably this uh, right here. I'm going to actually quote this directly from the Diablo fan wiki. The Angurious Council convened to discuss Sanctuary's fate. Imperius opted to eradicate Anarius and Lilith's progeny, that being us, while Ariel and Ethereal voted in favor of humanity, believing that humanity's potential to serve the light could surpass even their roles and that the conflict might end for good. Malthale abstained, as we know. Thus, the deciding vote would be left to Tyriel himself. Were he decide with were he to side with Imperius, as everybody suspected he might, Sanctuary would be utterly destroyed, as a tie would still result in their original goal being carried out. Tyriel, however, sided with humanity. They would be left to their own devices, free to choose between light and dark, all by themselves. And that was way before he uttered these words. I am justice itself. And uh, Imperius replied with Sacrilege. We know how that went, right? We know how the rest went in Diablo 3. We have not answered the question, is he in Diablo 4? That was the question I started with. Well, there are multiple Reddit threads claiming Tyriel is dead. I went and read all this stuff, just trying to get as many theories as I could, because the devs have been shortcoming on this regard. They think he's going to be dead and not part of the proceedings moving forward. Others claim he's simply sitting this one out, and yet others claim he'll rise to the occasion once more and directly affect the outcome of this phase of the conflict. My personal take is this. He's alive and well, and will likely play a role in the game in my opinion. It'll be in a massive way, though, and that there's a reason Blizzard is keeping it quiet for now. His importance to the world has never been in question. So to me, it all comes down to when is the right time to make the revelation? Or maybe we just get to see him in passing and hear a few more lines like this. My stomach feels strange. man from michigan so i'm replaying uh diablo 2 right now with resurrected and obviously really enjoyed all the diablo games up until now and they each all kind of had their own look and feel i mean one and one and two were a bit more similar but two was really dark and edgy and fun and and three was a little bit more I, i still really enjoyed it but it was more modern graphics but you could say slightly lighter more saturated tones or whatever but that contributed to the look and feel of each game playing through it and we've seen four but we're not really going to know what that feels like until we actually play four so i'm wondering what are you looking forward to in terms of look and feel and tone as you're as you're approaching playability for four what things are you hoping are going to be included in terms of atmosphere art um all that stuff that will hopefully set four apart as its own next on entering the chapter thanks 
All right. I think like a lot of players, I, I don't want to speak for everybody or do a blanket statement here, but I think a lot of players agree with me when I say I am looking forward to the darker tone. Clearly four is a step in that direction. Maybe even more than two. I mean, two was dark for its time, but if you look at it now, it's, you know, it's hard to get past the sort of herky jerky uh, graphic treatment and stuff that now doesn't hold up as well as it used to. But I think it wanted, it was aiming for something a little closer to what four is so far seeming like. And we have just a few things to go off of, really, right? We have the cinematics. I think the opening cinematic for this game, at least the one shown in the announcement trailer in 2019, I don't know if it'll be retained as the opener in the game or not, but that is uh, the definition of dark and edgy and creepy and very much into the more sort of uh, grim, dark fantasy realm. And I am all in on that. I love that look. It's my favorite of the RPG uh, takes and tones. So for me, I want to explore more of that. And I want that tone to be there. I want it to be dark and I want it to be foreboding, maybe even a little scary. I want the, uh, I want parts of the game to feel like they have real consequences. I don't want death to feel fleeting. I want immersive, but dare I say adult entertainment. And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean what some of you think I mean. I just mean, I want them to, you know, go for it. If it, if a scene in the game requires a whole lot of blood because a sacrifice must be made, Hey, go for it. Dump it. Get all the, get the gallons of blood. Let's go. If things take a real dark turn and uh, you know, bad stuff happens to good characters, whatever I'm, I'm here for it. Diablo three had a very epic quality to it. It had a really, I mean, I love three, three still maybe my favorite video game of all time. And so saying that, I, I also agree that it was lighter, a little more, dare I say, World of Warcraft-ish in its approach. I think that's fair to say. I think devs have said that in the past. So it's nothing new. But I think we're at a place now where graphically we can take it in places that we couldn't in 2012, or for that matter, way back in 2000, obviously. And there's no reason for them to hold back in that regard. It also just feels like a return in a way for Blizzard to get away from the Disneyification of their games. That's a controversial statement. I realize that. I'm as big a fan of, of uh, World of Warcraft and of Overwatch 1 and 2 as anybody out there. But I will be the first to admit, you may as well be playing paintball in Overwatch. The shooting really has no consequences. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, that, a, that a real gun or even a real space gun would have in real life. So this feels like the one team at Blizzard who gets to say, hey, what if we got a little grim? What if we got a little dark again? What if we went back to our roots some? What if we didn't try to appease, uh, you know, every single age group? The game is going to be controversial. It's one thing people don't talk about a lot, but I think it will be controversial in certain quarters. It certainly was in 2000 or 2001 when we were all playing Diablo 2. There were groups and parent groups and people that were freaking out about that game. And this is a chance for them to get back in that chair and have people looking at them, pointing at them and saying that you're the cause of delinquency in America. I can't wait. Hey, Scott, this is Colin from Seattle. Uh, I'm a big Diablo fan. Was I got started in Diablo 3 um, and really enjoyed playing it all the way through. I actually started in Reaper of Souls after um, everything was fixed, according to uh, all reports, and just had a great time. It loved the, the aesthetic, loved the vibe, loved the world, loved the gameplay. Great game. I wound up stopping playing around the exact same time that I switched my primary computer over from Windows to Linux. I had to do that for uh, work reasons and personal reasons on that side. I had to switch over there for everything. And I wound up losing out on all kinds of games uh, because uh, Overwatch, Diablo, all Blizzard games are Windows and Mac only, not Linux. This is why I've been so 
over the moon with what Valve has been doing with Proton and the Steam Deck because so many things run on Linux. I have a Steam Deck. I get to play all these games on there. And when I sit down in front of a big old Linux machine that I use every day for work and personal stuff, hey, I can still play all those same Steam games on it. So I'm wondering, do you think there's any future in uh, Blizzard, uh, in Battle.net, etc., putting Diablo or any of those games in a Linux or Proton-compatible system? Love the show. Thanks. Our best chance of this. Thank you for the call, by the way. Um, my, our best chance of this happening, I think, and I would love it if it did. I also am blown away by Proton and its capabilities since becoming a, a Steam Deck owner. It's, oh, man, that thing's awesome. I freaking love it. It's actually got me tempted to take my Windows box and convert it to a Linux machine and just play games via Proton. Because <laughs> I'm kind of doing that anyway with the Steam Deck and whatever I'm playing on one side or the other, I really like to play on both. So that would be cool. And things that are mouse and keyboard reliant. Uh, I think I could still get those to run on Proton because so far just about everything does. So I don't know. I'm kind of with you on all of that. I have a lot of excitement around that. Here's our best chance. Blizzard, Activision, Blizzard, and so on. King, that deal with Microsoft needs to go through. If it does, then you have a better chance than ever of seeing those games, Diablo 4 included, on the PC via Steam. It's The problem is if they don't keep Steam or if they don't put them on Steam, like they have everything else, by the way. So all the other stuff they've bought or messed with or whatever, including their own franchises like Halo and and so on, those are available on Steam now. I see no reason why they wouldn't continue to do that. At the very least, they're going to do Game Pass versions of this stuff. I I can see no reason why they wouldn't want to have Steam uh, as a place where you can also buy those games. That just is the way they've been doing things. And unless there's an abrupt change in that philosophy, then I think there's a better chance than not that we're going to get it. Here's my biggest worry or the biggest complaint. If they don't, or if, excuse me, if the deal does go through, this isn't going to be anytime soon. They're going to launch in June. All right. I don't even think this deal's signed until then. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is maybe April or something like that, but it doesn't matter. They're geared up for a launch in the traditional path, which is a boxed copy. I assume they're doing box copies. I actually don't know that because since they made that change with the collector's edition, I don't know what they're doing with box copies, but let's assume box copies at Best Buy and Walmart and everything else. And then the other, of course, the digital path via the Battle.net launcher, which is how all the Blizzard games currently are served up to PC players. And of course, consoles. So the Series X and S and the uh, PS5. I don't know if they're PS4 and Xbox One compatible or not. Now I don't remember. But but those are going to get their own version as well. That launch is going to happen the way it's going to happen. And there isn't a current plan, I don't think, in place to say, oh, hurry up and get it on Steam. I think that will come later. So even if this deal goes through, you might be looking at next late fall, early winter before this is even a possibility, maybe even longer than that. I wouldn't be surprised if they waited a year to have it show up on Steam and other online stores. I hope I'm wrong and I hope it's closer to June, but I am not going to hold my breath. Okay, a couple of quick news items. The Darkening of Tristram returned on January 3rd this year, 2023, and will run through the end of this month. To quote Blizzard, exclusive rewards and challenging enemies await you, but they won't last forever. The Cultists will appear on December 31st at 4 p.m. PST, and the portal opens January 3rd at the same hour. Both parts of the event end January 31st at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if that is the thing you celebrate each and every time they do it, then I say get in there, get on it, and get the stuff. This is, by the way, in Diablo 3 where you play this. Diablo 2 does not have this mode. The remake does not have this mode. 
But Diablo 3 does and have had it for many years. And it basically takes you back to the original Diablo 1 for a fun quest line. And it does it with a graphical treatment that feels like the original game. Totally worth experiencing once. Once you do, though, I don't think there's a great reason to do it again unless they shake up the rewards. In other news, BlizzCon is returning in 2023. What does that mean for Diablo 4 coming out the exact same year? It's kind of funny how it was a Diablo year. They skipped one year, 2012. They didn't do one at all in 2012. And now <laughs> the show's coming back on a Diablo year, the year that Diablo 4 comes out. I just think that's interesting. I mean, obviously it has nothing to do with anything, but how it landed is kind of funny. I expect a ton of panels around D4, uh, probably big updates from those panels, maybe even from the keynote about what the roadmap is for the game, maybe more content coming in the form of a full expansion. They've done that with Diablo since the beginning. Maybe they do that again here. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like if it's a living game as a service, once you've you know gotten to end game, then just put out chunks of content is fine with me. Maybe it doesn't need a traditional proper expansion, but I don't know. Time will tell on that. And then, you know, what's coming to the store, what that all means, what you're going to pay for things, all that kind of stuff. So uh, BlizzCon very likely will have a heavy, heavy, heavy Diablo 4 presence when it happens later this fall. We don't have dates yet, so stay tuned. Hi, Scott. This is Mike. Do you think you'll do any class breakdowns as we get closer to the release of the game? I think many of us would love to hear a deeper look at how the D4 classes stack up especially against the previous games in the series. Thanks. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Would you guys want that, I guess, is the question? Do you want, you know, do you want to know what a bar- barbarian looks like top to stem to stern for the new game? Do we want to talk about the changes over previous iterations of the barb? Do we want to talk about, I don't know, the sorceress, why she's this time's magic user, and what's different between this and the wizard in three, perhaps more akin to the sorceress in two? Uh, well, sorceress and sorcerer, since you can do uh, multiple genders in the newer game. But um, anyway, I, I'm all for this. I just don't know what the interest level is. I feel like a lot of us are going to just be playing it by ear. There's not a lot of min-maxing going on in the first week or two of play. I know that kicks in at some point for a lot of players, but for me, I like the discovery of it all. But it might be fun from like a like a lore background perspective to just break down what's going on with these various classes. Like what is the rogue? Other than the stereotypes we have in our heads about what rogues are, maybe there's more to it. We could have some fun with that. Anyway, let me know your thoughts, your feelings. You can send a text just like that person did at 801-471-0462. Hey, Scott. Pretty excited about Diablo 4, but I have a couple of big worries. First of all, I'm worried the endgame will feature a lot of toxic players trying to dominate the public raid content. And second of all, I am worried Blizzard will charge way too much for cosmetics. If Overwatch 2 is any indication... Thoughts, Gary. Gary, I am in the same boat as you on the on the uh, cosmetics. I'm worried they're going to be very expensive and that they'll be the only way to get them in the game, which is going to create a have and have nots kind of problem. I don't like when video games do that at all. I think that's bad. It's classism in a weird way. And, uh, you know, I'm not on some soapbox here. I just literally don't think it's good for the game to, to make it hard for those who can't afford stuff in the game to give them no other recourse to get it, even though they bought your game. I have a lot of thoughts on that that we'll go into in future episodes, but uh, a little worried about that as well. And you're right, Over Overwatch 2 uh, skins and stuff are expensive. Those bundles are not a good deal. They're they're kind of bad. Although I think their battle pass is fine. I don't think it's anything special, but it's not terrible. Um, I think that'll improve with time. So what will you know Diablo 4s look like? We know a little about it, but not a lot. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. But to your other quest- question about uh, toxic players in the overworld content, 
there are big uh, dungeon raids and 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 world bosses and this sort of stuff to play. Think think about how WoW does a lot of that. It's like you know impromptu forty man teams coming together to take a dragon down or whatever for the promise of loot and gold and whatever. Uh, I'm excited about that content, but I'm not worried about the toxicity for a couple of reasons. One, I mostly play Diablo alone. I'm not a multiplayer player of that game. To me, it's a very personal, private experience for whatever reason. They've always pushed to have multiplayer. Diablo 2 was one of the earliest multiplayer games I could even play. And I was playing Diablo 1 on a LAN at the company I worked with. So, you know, they've always, it's always been a part of it. But I think that fours, uh, 4 won't be any different for me than 3, where I just, I just kind of want to be on my own. I think I play them like uh, Metroid games. Is that a weird thing? It's a little weird, isn't it? But I like the isolation of it. There's something about the tone of the games and being alone that that really work well for me. But I will play with friends here and there, especially with alts and stuff. And when it comes to big public stuff where 40 of us are suddenly formed out there because we're all hanging around waiting for the thing to pop or however it's going to work in this game, that toxicity exists in every game that ever tries to do this. It's just a scale problem. I have learned over the years to ignore all of it because who cares? Get in there, kill the thing, get your stuff, get out. Think of it as running dungeons and wow. It's just like, uh, I don't want to really be here with you people. I don't know you people. Even if you're jerks in here, it's like, fine, I'll go into the next group. Like that stuff just, you have to learn to let it go off your, or roll off your back because it is part of it. And all you can do is play, but also not be that person and encourage others who you're with to not be those people that you have influence over. And so hopefully over time, that becomes less and less. People become more mature newer players, younger players who come into the game, maybe come with less of that baggage. I don't know what the overall end game is, but in, in, in the moment, you just got to be you and do you, man. I wouldn't stress too much about it. All right, before I get out of here, I would like to uh, just toss a little news your way. It's not really news. This is just a possibility right now, so I don't want anyone to freak out or anything. But um, as you know, a year and a half ago or whatever it's been now, how long has it been? Something like that. I ended the instance after a 16-year run of that show, weekly show all about World of Warcraft. And it just, there were many factors that went into why it ended. Um, But I have been playing a load of Warcraft and I'm considering a return of the instance, but in a form that's a little bit different. Talking about possibly a monthly edition, which would be an episode that would come out obviously once a month. That's the whole idea with a monthly thing with various guests, different people rotating, um, you know, possibilities of people, that sort of thing. This is all very, you know, early stage thinking. So don't count any of this yet. But because nothing's in stone, um, I at least wanted to let you know and if you're like me and are a little steeped in WoW right now until Diablo 4 hits, might be some fun to be had over there as well. So I'll let you know what happens when it does. If you're already subbed, just watch the feed. If you if you don't have that in your podcast player, you can get it wherever you get podcasts. Still out there and available. Uh, and I recommend checking out the most recent episode uh, or fairly recent episode I did talking to Chris Metzen, kind of a, uh, a catch up with him. We talked about the stuff at Blizzard, um, all that. So that might be worth you guys checking out in the meantime. Anyway, I'll let you know. I don't know yet. It's not a confirmed deal. I don't have a date for you. It's just a possibility. But in the meantime, I'd love you to keep coming here. Frogpants.com slash Diablo is our website. The Diablo show at gmail.com if you'd like to email us something. The preferred method of getting on the show, though, is texts and voicemails, which both come to 801-471-0462. That's 801-471-0462 for texts and emails, uh, voicemails rather. So if you just want to send a quick text, no problem. You want to send a voicemail? That's great, too. You heard we had both today on the show, and we love getting them. So thank you so much. We are The Diablo Show on Twitter, and you can find me at Scott Johnson. That's going to do it for me. Thanks very much. We'll be back next week. Until then, don't forget to boot and loot. We'll see you then. (laughs) 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.